0: Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for You Anytime, Anywhere. Today is Tuesday, December the 14th, and we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God, this Advent season, and we see Christ, who has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Jesus has just recovered from the temptations of the devil. I should say he overcame the temptations of the devil in the wilderness. He did what Adam and Eve and the Israelites could not do resist this temptation and move forward. Now his ministry begins by preaching repentance, calling his disciples, and his fame was spreading. We take a fresh look at this text because you probably have read it many times, gone through it many times, because if you start in the New Testament, often you start with Matthew. But I encourage you that we look at it with fresh eyes today. So we pray, O Holy Spirit, open our eyes, ears, and hearts to believe and understand everything in Christ. For the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thy wrong word is graciously underwritten by your friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. For more information of their great work around the world, visit lhfmissions.org, lhfmissions.org. Actually, a little side note there, Dr. Heise, the Executive Director of Lutheran Heritage Foundation, will be with us tomorrow to study the book of Matthew, so looking forward to that as we thank God for their support. But today, helping us to be strengthened by God's word, we welcome regular guest, Pastor John Lukomsky, co-host of Wrestling With the Basics here on KFUO. Pastor Lukomsky, welcome back to Thy Strong Word.
1: Yeah, good. Good to be back, Brady. We haven't talked for about three weeks now. How is your Advent going?
0: Oh, it's going great. I uh, it? had a great joy Sunday on Sunday. That was a lot of fun to just to be able to focus on joy. I heard one person say, "Isn't every Sunday supposed to be joyful?" I said, "Well, of course. <laughs> I mean, this is not like every other one's sad or something." But but I'll tell you, this is a good encouragement for all of you uh, to uh, to pray for your pastors this time of year. Advent has a special how do you call it, type of stress that is there that is is different than, I think, even Lent. So um, pray for your pastors. I'm I'm pushing through. The Lord's good, and uh, we keep going, but pray for your pastors. How about your Advent?
1: Well, I tell you what, I'm actually working. (laughs) We have a church that's vacant here, so I'm preaching a couple of midweek Advent services and a couple of Sunday services, so it's been kind of fun for me. Uh, And and see, the joy is, I don't have the stress you have, because that's it, I'm done. (laughs) I won't have to do anything Christmas week, and it'll be busy, because you got it falling on a weekend, so you'll have, what, probably two or three days in a row that you'll be preaching, so...
0: Yeah, because uh, for all of you, our listeners, too, it's it's Fridays, it's, you know, Christmas Eve. And we just have one service here, but I know many churches just go all out. They have tons of them. And then Christmas Day, we still have a service, 9 a.m. And then then Sunday, you know, the divine service at 9 a.m. as well. So it is three days in a row. Um, but, you know, the Lord gives us strength and and we'll get through oh, yeah. it. So t- what, what church are yeah. you helping out at?
1: Uh, Olive Branch, which is outside of a little town called uh, Oakville, Illinois. So uh, oh, okay. we're, we're okay. having we're having great joy. In fact, we we preached last week on God Daddy Sunday, so on the joy Sunday yeah. too. So yeah,
0: wonderful. And and this wonderful.
1: is a joy too. Thank you. This is a great great text that you've given me. Um, and in fact, I have an assignment for you. Please, <laughs> okay. I'll write it down. <laughs> All right. Well, so you're doing Matthew, right? That's what we're doing. That's, that's I, we be are the yes for a while.
0: Yes, I texted so you three I, times. I have a, I,
1: I texted you three times know, to remind you it was Matthew. I, I forgot the one time. All right. <laughs> uh, so 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 I want you to check this out because I have a theory. As I was studying for today, I wonder if Matthew doesn't see himself as kind of a second-class disciple. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is because you know he's kind of a Johnny come lately. Uh, You know, we don't get his call until already chapter 9 of his gospel. And and before that, Jesus has done all kinds of signs and wonders. In fact, Jesus has done his powerful Sermon on the Mount. And and all that happens before he even gets to be officially uh, part of the 12. Uh, It strikes me as interesting whenever there's an argument about who's the greatest, Matthew's mm-hmm. name never comes up. That's true. <laughs> no one ever that's suggests true. that he. Uh, uh, and, and in fact, uh, I'm wondering if he could never really shake the fact that he wasn't a decent fisherman. Because let's face it, that that's a decent profession to be a fisherman. In fact, you mm-hmm. can become fisher of men then, Steve. But he he was this tax collector. But here, I, I think he embraces that. I, I mm-hmm. get the impression that Matthew is a very humble guy. In fact, I think what is interesting is in the listing of the twelve, uh, he's the only one who gives his name and adds the qualifier, the publican. You know, no one else uh, mentions that, but Matthew mm-hmm. does. He says, "Yep, yep, I was a publican," uh, and, and I wonder if that isn't why he seems to embrace the unworthy. Uh, I'm just thinking, now that's why I said you got to check it out, but it seems to me he he loves the people that don't deserve to have God's grace and mercy because he's the one that tells us about the Magi, and who would have thought God would— care for magi and we've got that same thing in the text we have today the people that that everyone else would just say well why would god even worry about them so i don't know i I just got me thinking i I wonder if if you don't see that and and what a blessing then that this guy who is a second class disciple is one of the guys who gets to actually hospital. so uh anyway That was just a thought I had and see if that bears out if he doesn't seem to be particularly sensitive to people who are the outsiders or the unworthy ones.
0: And I, I would encourage you, our listeners to keep that in mind. I've had a wonderful number of emails from people just talking about the themes. Uh, Dr. Gibbs spoke about how this is really about the kingdom and he and he emphasized the reign of God, that the reign of God looks different, that this king of kings is different than the other kings, especially like King Herod and others. and that you're right that this this is probably manifested uh beautifully in the least of these being loved uh by by this king because he really speaks you know he is the christ to this point he's the christ the son of david the king of the jews son of god son of abraham so he's laying it out of that he is king lee his reign is here at the same time um who are the people of whom he's serving and we we get a glimpse of that today as well so any other well since we're already in this what what uh you have any other thoughts on on the text before we pray
1: well i and I just uh, yeah I, you, you, you mentioned Gibbs right isn't that what you said yeah dr Gibbs yeah mm-hmm. i did yeah okay uh and and of course yeah that's one thing that he taught me, which I think is such a neat concept, and I'm glad you mentioned it because i'd forgot it that when Matthew was talking about kingdom. See, we think of a place, we think of a location, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but but you're right. Probably the better translation is "rain." It's the fact that he's ruling. See, uh, and we're in that rule, in that reign. It's a it's an immediate thing. It's a thing that's going on. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because honestly, I'd forgotten that. And I, that's that is a big big thing in in the Gospel of Matthew. We see it in this text too. So,
0: and I'll I'll say this because there were so many nuggets that Doctor Gibbs brought to us. And one of the lines that he used was, the reign of God it, it has come, the reign of God in Christ, of course, is here, and the reign of God in Christ is coming. So that was one line, and we try to use that over and over. The other one that he began began with is, "This Matthew is showing us the unbelievable mercy to unbelievable sinners. And I think that really lines it- up with exactly what you're saying. And Matthew knew that himself as he wrote these words.
1: Yeah, and and, and so I'm thinking that that Matthew must have been following Jesus long before he was actually called— because how sure. else does he know the words of the Sermon on the Mount, right? Because mm-hmm. so, he records them, and he records them in more detail than anyone else does. So I think he was there. You know, he was in the same city, right? He's he's a tax collector. Mm-hmm. P- Capernaum, that's where where Jesus' headquarters is. But I think he thought, well, you know, I, I can never actually be a disciple, though. That'll never happen. I'm a tax collector, you know. Right. And so what a, what a glorious day that must have been when Jesus shows up at his tax place of all places, right? Right there where he's... Doing the the sinful thing, and he says, "Follow me." So yeah, yeah, that those are good thoughts. Those are excellent thoughts, Brady. And I I I hope you'll see that that he is the guy who understands God's grace, because he knows he should never have been there, but he is. He is. Gets to write a gospel on top of everything else.
0: Right, right. And that's that's very insightful as we hear these words today, simply because of that that unbelievable mercy that he showed to him, which really would affect, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, how he writes. And for all of us, when we actually, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit as well, realize our own unbelievable sinful self and, and how much mercy he has on them, which means that he has mercy on us. So I think that's it. Yes. Thank you for that, that beginning. So pastor, we're very where we full of all of this grace. So can you ask the Lord's mercy upon us today and blessings as we study God's word in prayer?
1: Oh, Lord, so help us to hear this text and understand that it is about us, and it's about what we're doing right now—the Advent season. Uh, it is a time for repentance, which is what Jesus exhorts us to do here. But, but, but let ours be the repentance of faith, not a repentance that leads to despair and hopelessness. But, but the knowledge that we are truly unworthy, sinful people. But by God, are we loved by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And we will celebrate that at the fact that He became one of us, took on our flesh, and was born in Bethlehem. Uh, In Jesus' name, give us faith this Advent and Christmas, we pray. Amen.
0: If you have any questions concerning our text today or any any part of our text, send us an email, KFUO at KFUO.org, or call 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. And I think you guys should call today with whatever you got, because Pastor Lukomsky is particularly ready to take on any questions you have. I think, aren't you you really ready today? I think this is your day.
1: You're really cruising for a bruising, aren't you?
0: (laughs) Well, you don't live in Minnesota anymore, so I can do this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You're at a distance, but I'm coming back up there, Brady. Don't forget he's that he's coming back.
0: It's like an advent warning. Anyways, um, yeah. so Pastor, we've already we've already kind of we tipped maybe we've already dove in head first. But uh anything you want to highlight that leads us up to verse twelve of Matthew chapter four?
1: No, no. Let's. I think we're ready to go go at it. And there's a lot okay. of stuff here, so.
0: So Jesus has just, uh, defeat is not the right word, but overcome the devil, that he did not fall like the Israelites and Adam and Eve. And it it ends in verse 11, then the devil left and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So that just kind of sets the tone for where we are now when the title of it says that Jesus begins his ministry. So I'm going to do this because, well, I know how this goes with Pastor Lekomsky. I'm going to read 12 <laughs> through 16, and I'm going to ask you, what do you think we should be reading?
1: That's fine. That's a great place to start. Although I'll probably <laughs> all stop right. you Here we go. before you get done. <laughs>
0: probably, uh, verse 14, all of a sudden. Yeah, okay, verses 12 through 16. Reminder to our listeners we will be reading from the English Standard Version. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived at Capernaum, by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. In the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, in the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death on Lem, a light has dawned. So I love that Isaiah text. I don't, I don't want to get there quite yet because I'm real excited to get to that. But, but some of the context, what do you have for
1: us? Okay, so so what, what Matthew is trying to do is, is place Jesus – geographically because the last time we left Jesus, uh, he was at his hometown in Nazareth. Uh, he had gone into the wilderness to be tempted. Uh, he had been with John the Baptist. John had baptized. And so I think the natural question is, well, okay, well, where, where is Jesus at now? Uh, um, and, and so we're, we're given a location. Uh, he, he's no longer in Ga- uh, down there around the, the River Jordan in Judea because John has been arrested. And by the way, isn't that an interesting comment? Because, we just heard that Jesus said to the devil, "Be gone," and the devil left, and we would think, "Oh well, that's okay; the devil's taken care of." But apparently not. All <laughs> right.
0: Right. But the very right.
1: next thing is John gets gets arrested, and, and of course, uh, the 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 English teachers out there would tell you this is foreshadowing, because later on Matthew will tell us the terrible things that are going to happen. To, to John the Baptist, but that's a story for another uh, uh, time of on uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know thy strong word. Um, but anyway, so we understand now he's no longer around the Jordan River because John has left. There's no need for him to stay there. He has gone back home to Galilee, but not to Nazareth anymore. And again, Matthew doesn't give us the reason why he left Nazareth, which was because, mm. of course, his townspeople tried to kill him, <laughs> which might be a good reason to leave town. Uh, But for whatever the reason, he's now in Capernaum, which, as we said, that's a good thing if you're Matthew, right? Because that's where Matthew is at. Mm -hmm. And one has to wonder. So so maybe all of this was part of God's plan, the rejection at Nazareth, Jesus moving to Capernaum, the home of his disciple Peter. Because God already knew what he was going to do with Matthew, even though Matthew didn't know yet. Um, and then, of course, we've got this beautiful, beautiful prophecy, which, by the way, I, I didn't realize this comes before the great Christmas text, right? For unto us is mm-hmm. born a son. Uh, that's the context. Those are the next words after this. Uh, but it is, again, about people that don't deserve God's blessings of Zebulun and Naphtali. Uh, They were the the tribes of uh, of Israel, rather, they were up north. Uh, They were the ones that had fallen away from the true worship of God, the worship of the temple. Uh, They were the ones that God had warned, you know, if you don't change your ways, you'll be punished. And they were the ones who were. They were taken over by the Assyrians. Uh, And the sad thing is, is after the Assyrians drug them off into captivity, uh, their land, their promised land, The land God had given to the nation of Israel now becomes a land where the Gentiles dwell. You know, these foreigners, these aliens. Um, And and indeed, it's strange that the same passage that that Matthew's quoting here uh, is also the passage that tells us that God punished them. That's why the Assyrians came down and afflicted them. That was the Mm. hand of God that had brought this upon them. But now the hand of God is going to do something totally different, not only for the Jews who might have still lived in that area, but for all the foreigners who had moved in to fill the vacuum after they left, which that's really crazy, isn't it? (laughs) Mm. That the very people that oppressed his people are the ones now that God is going to shine a great light upon. Uh, so I don't know. What, what thoughts do you have about that?
0: It Well, first of all, I just encourage you, our listeners, to look at a map. I mean, there there's a reality of—I'm uh, a very visual person. And actually, I love maps. That's probably why I keep saying it. But, you know, he's, he's no longer, like <laughs> you said, he's not— He's not by the Jordan River anymore. He's north by the Sea of Galilee and the region of Galilee. Nazareth is away from Sea of Galilee, and then Capernaum's right on there. Um, And like you said, this is important context that I really have not highlighted to this point. This is where Matthew was. So he's there. This is a territory, and I haven't caught this before in verse 15, Galilee of the Gentiles. So you have a whole crew of people there that were not really part of the inner circle, if you will. And here it's highlighted in Isaiah, which I hadn't caught as much. Um, and it's highlighted not explicitly there, but it's highlighted here, showing that this this gospel, this kingly rule, this reign of God is different than probably what you were thinking it was, you know. And and then on top of that, like you said so well, these verses also are right before the most popular one, one of the more popular ones during Christmas is for us to a son, a child is born, a, a son is given, um, mighty counsel, or mighty God, wonderful Counselor, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So it all comes together. I love it this time this time of year, showing us how it all comes together to show that this guy has a different reign, different than Herod, that's for sure, different than other kings. And he comes from a place. He doesn't stay at home. He goes different places. They don't just feed him grapes when he's sitting at his house or something. <laughs> um, he is a God that serves in mercy um, for sinners like us. That that That's some of my thoughts.
1: And and I'm glad you highlighted the word Galilee of the Gentiles there because the English translation doesn't do us a really good service uh, because the word there in the Greek is actually ethnos, which means nations, nations. mm -hmm. And when you read through the Bible, you'll you'll find there is nation in the singular, all right, and that always refers to, to the people of Judah. Uh, to Israel, to, to the Jews, and, and those terms all have different meanings too, so I don't, but but anyway, if you hear the word nation, you know you're talking about uh, the people of Jerusalem, the, Jew, the Judahites and all that, but when it's in the plural, like it is here, it's everybody else. Because that's basically how the Jews saw the world. You, you got the Jews. Those are God's chosen kingdom. And you got everybody else. And so you're right. Matthew is telling us this is not the kingdom you expected. This is going to be a kingdom of many, many nations. And here's why I want to emphasize that, this Galilee of the Gentiles. It is actually literally Galilee of the nations. Because if you don't understand that, you miss the point at the end of Matthew when, when Jesus says, I want you to go make disciples of all nations. See, it's the same word that's used here. In other words, Jesus says, I want you to go to the very people that you never would have gone to, that you never would have thought would be part of God's reign, and those are the ones you're going to make disciples of. See? Uh, so, anyway, so just so our listeners know that when you read the Bible and it says Gentiles, it's actually the same word that's used in Matthew 28, 18. Go make disciples of all nations.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's a wonderful theme here of light. And uh, why, why is it an important theme that we see? Well, this kingly rule, this reign of Christ will be a light in the midst of darkness. Why is that such an important? I think it's a very important aspect that we see here and throughout Scripture. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, because the image and john John probably does this more than Matthew, you know John mm-hmm, right. is the the guy where people come to him at night and and the light has shined and and the darkness and the darkness did not recognize it because that's that 's the imagery of the bible and and we have that same image right when we think of death and this is the shadow of death we we think of darkness and we wear Dark clothes or whatever, uh, but of course Jesus says, "I am the light of the world," you know, and, and so he's totally going to change it. Uh, and, and you know, the thing I really like about light—have uh, you ever been in the darkness? Have you ever been in the dark? You have, Brady. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Physically, not, 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 not. Uh, you know, philosophically, we're all in the dark sometimes. But I mean, literally. Uh, and, and you know what it takes to get rid of the dark. You just turn on the light. <laughs> have you ever right. seen the dark prevail over the light? No, you turn on your flashlight and the darkness goes away. You know, it may kind of hover around you. But but when it comes to a battle between darkness and light, light always wins.
0: <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, Well, in him, there is no darkness at all. Um, because yeah. when there is light, there is there is no chance for darkness. You have to have a shadow. You have something blocking it or or yeah once it's there there's no chance for the darkness so definitely a uh, and this is what i love a lot of times for christmas eve we'll start this way by quoting isaiah 9 2 you know the people who have dwelt in darkness have seen a great light and then there's kind of that aspect where you maybe some churches i know will turn more lights on you know hmm. and and then at the end you have this candlelight which reminds you that it's not about having all these lights, but even that little bit of light gives us hope, which obviously that little baby Jesus um, gives us that hope and hope for the world. So it, 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 I love that that imagery, especially during this Advent season. Anything else in those first four five verses?
1: Well, be- before we leave, we we have to comment on, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, because mm-hmm. that you're going to see over and over and over again in Matthew. He's constantly saying to us, look, look, Everything that's happening is happening exactly the way God said it would happen. In fact, it's interesting. The word fulfilled there has the nuance of completed. And so the idea is that God says something, and it's just a matter of time. Just wait, because it will be fulfilled. It will be completed. that That's the one thing you know for sure. Whatever God tells you, that's exactly what's going to happen. Just as assuredly as when you turn on a flashlight, the darkness is going to go away. All right. Oh, <laughs> Unless, of course, your yep. batteries are done, then then that won't. But if you got the light, <laughs> the darkness will not prevail.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, well, very good. So verse 17 is a transition. Um, I've, I've oh, yeah. even heard it said is it's almost like one of the, the major transitions in the whole book, which I found interesting, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. In verse 17, it, it, it keeps you from a uh, kind of a nice oh wow the light. I like light. I don't like darkness, so light is good. <laughs> and then you're kind of like, we're done with John the Baptist. Like John the Baptist, his message. Oh well, how annoying and how how what a downer. We got this Jesus. He's going to be the light. He's not going to do this. But then verse 17 comes and it sounds. Kind of the same as what was previously preached. Verse 17. Well,
1: well, well Brady, you know, it sounds kind of the same because it is. <laughs> it's the exact same words that we were told John preached. <laughs>
0: mm, very nice. So 17, let's hear it. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, like you said, it's the same exact words But it's not John, it's Jesus, so what's the difference? Or is there a
1: difference? Well, okay, so so here's here's the comforting thing, uh, because we know John was was arrested, and, and one might think, well, that's the end of that, uh, and it's almost like, no, 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 this is the Word of God, John can be arrested, John can actually die, but it isn't the end of what God is doing, okay, that message will continue, and I think it's kind of interesting, that's why we're going to have the call of the disciples in the next few verses, because Jesus is going to die, rise, ascend, he's going to leave, but the message is going to go on. In fact, that's what Jesus says. You know, I'm going away, but I want you guys to keep Preaching repentance and forgiveness of sin. See? And look at this. This is what, almost 2,000 or it is over 2,000 years later. And you and I are preaching the same message. (laughs) Okay? Mm -hmm. So, this is my point. Just like when the light shines, the darkness has to go away. There is no competition, no great battle between darkness and light. Light just shoves the darkness away. So, the same way with the Word of God. The Word of God is not going to go away, it will continue to be uh, proclaimed. I want to talk about that in just a second uh uh, and that's the way it's going to be until god finally comes and and brings everything to an end like he said he was and so that will happen too um and and the thing is it needs to be said because this is the land of zebulun and naphtali this is the galilee of the gentiles this is not the assembly of the holy righteous ones this is the assembly of sinners okay Mm. so you got to start with repent you, you you can't start anywhere else. You have, and Matthew understands that, doesn't he? Because Matthew is a sinner. He knows that. But until you know you're a sinner, you can't see the light. Because like the Apostle John tells us, we love the darkness. We just want to hang out in the darkness. It's only until we realize we're in the darkness that we might even want to have light shine on us. So, yeah, that's the operative thing. Repent. And then, of course, as you pointed out from Gibbs, and boy, thanks. Because I, 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 I love that what Gibbs says that, and I don't know how I forgot that. So the point is, the reign of God is right here, right now. Okay, so if you're waiting for something to take care of the darkness, to take care of your sin, no need to wait. It has arrived. Okay, Mm.
0: It's in it's in his hands as opposed to our own. Uh, And I want to I want to touch on that a little more. But right now we need to take our break. We are studying Matthew chapter four with Pastor John Lekomsky and we'll be right back. Welcome back. We are studying Matthew chapter four, hearing of this kingdom of the new king with Pastor John Lukumski. And Pastor, once again, we see this word: the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Like you said, it's the reign of God that is here. So it's it's there. One one of our listeners sent in uh, an email and said kingdom or king or something along those lines is used in every chapter of of matthew except for two i think matthew 25 and matthew 13 or something like that and it is it is it is quite something and and it just pops out like it says like popcorn just keep popping out at you as you look at this and so he's reminding us one his message is not quote different it begins with repentance and that's an important piece for all of us that he's calling everyone to repent. John did it to repair for Jesus. Now Jesus is here and we still have to repent. And so that's a key thing. If we ever, if someone ever tries to tell you that Christianity is not about repenting, well, then you have a problem with Jesus. Um, he's very clear that we are to, you know, um, look to him and not ourselves and we need to repent. Anything else? You had a few of the thoughts maybe as we look at that as I transition to these next few verses?
1: Well, the thing that, that that we have to point out is now the English says Jesus began to preach, uh, and I and I hate I hate that translation because nobody <laughs> likes to be preached at. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, and, very and, good. And the, well, and and the word in the Greek is keruso, which is proclamation, and I'm thinking that, that actually will come up. I I think it's in this chapter where the English translates it proclamation but here's here's why that's important because a preaching is just well we're just talking about stuff right that's how people sure. think of the word preaching but the word here uh, in, in the Bible is is a statement that actually changes your life okay? It's a proclamation of something that it it is. It's changing your life. So I like to use the example. So they've got you strapped into old Sparky. You know what I'm talking about? You're there in the electric chair. They're just about to pull the big switch there that is going to send you off to your destiny. And the phone rings, and it's the governor giving you a pardon. (laughs) All right? All right. That is a (laughs) K-Russo. And I hope that everyone listening to you and me today and every day they listen would understand we're not here just to discuss a Bible story. We are here to Russo to make a proclamation. Anyone out there who's listening to this right now who is struggling with the darkness, whatever it may be, it might be some particular lust or or anger or doubt, or I don't know what the darkness, because we all got darkness we struggle with, right? That's why we need to repent. But I just want you to know right here now, this very moment as we're speaking to you, the reign of darkness. Christ is with you, and it is a reign that says, I love you, I forgive you, I am here for you, okay? So, um, anyway, that's, I, we just need to add that before we go on uh, to this call of the disciples.
0: Wonderful. So, right now, we know that, we know he's preaching, he's proclaiming, as you said so beautifully, And now we start to, for whatever reason, Jesus not only has crowds following him, but he calls certain people to be his right hand men. And we hear of that today in a very unique way. And also um, to look at it this way, too, is what part of this is prescriptive, meaning, okay, what they did, I do. And what part of it is descriptive, that this is something that happened for the apostles and not necessarily for us, but how do we distinguish that? That's one, one interpretive key that I really want us to focus on today, um, because sometimes we can kind of muddy the waters when it's there. So I'm going to read 18 through 20 is my goal. So, Pastor Likensky, that's fine. what do you think?
1: I will not interrupt you, actually, because that's what I'd like to talk about. Oh, no, no. Can you read all the way through verse 22? Is there a reason uh, why you want to stop at verse 20?
0: Uh, because I wanted to talk about Simon and Andrew a little bit. Um, that's it. Okay, that's so, fine. Let's, let's stick there. 18 through 20. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, cast the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, I don't have a real particular reason why I stopped there, but just kind of to make sure we're on the same page. And it's very similar in both of them. There is one little difference that we'll get to when we get to uh, James and John. But but looking at this, I mean, Jesus is just walking around uh, the Gal around the Sea of Galilee, and two brothers are there. And what happens?
1: So so here's the thing. When, when I've dealt with this text in the past, because uh, uh, it seems so startling, you know, you got these guys, they're they're out there fishing, and all of a sudden, some stranger walks up and says, hey, follow me, and, and they leave their nets, and they go, is there, I, 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 you know, you were talking about you get emails and stuff. I actually just got a phone call from my wife <laughs> or a text nice. message. Is there somebody nice. typing? Because it sounds like there's this typing noise in the background. I didn't... That's what she texted me to say. Do you know that well, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, back to the story. Uh, <laughs> when my wife texts me, I got it What? You know. Otherwise, she, why hey, didn't I, I? texted you. Why did? Why didn't you say that? Uh, so so uh, now I forgot what we were doing. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it just seems like remarkable that these guys could just pick up and leave everything and follow him. And, and of course, the thing we need to understand that's not at all what's going on here. Uh, uh, these two guys, uh, uh, Peter and Andrew, uh, they are of the age uh, when people do kind of pick up up and leave, they're they're young men Uh, today people go and they go to the military they leave for college or maybe they just take off to see the country Uh, young men do that often before they settle down Uh, um, and these guys had already done that They'd already taken off and followed John the Baptist. You know, they they are the disciples of John the Baptist. In fact, that's where they met Jesus. You know, Jesus, uh, John pointed him out and said, this is the guy you really want to talk to. Here's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And in fact, we know they had had conversations with Jesus. And in fact, Jesus even preached from their boats on, on, on occasion. So it's not like just he came up out of nowhere, and all of a sudden they threw everything down and started to follow him. Although, here's the thing that I think is really cool about Matthew, because it dawned on me that's exactly the impression Matthew wants to give us. Even though though we know that's not true, that's exactly the impression that Matthew wants to give us. Uh, They're out there fishing, casting their nets. They don't have any intention of doing anything else than what they do normally, which is catch fish. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes and calls them. And immediately, immediately, that, that right, not, not hesitation, not talking about it, not thinking about it. They, they pack up their bags and, and they go. Uh, so anyway. And these That's are something. the proper. these. This is your first class disciples here. And I don't think Matthew would argue that. Yeah,
0: Right. And there's that, you know, if it, if it was not. Um, how do you call it immediate or that there wasn't immediacy to this he went to put that word in there so there was no, definitely no. something to it that did they know of the message probably john one kind of alludes to that um there's just more to the story that's why we read you know all the gospels and and we don't piece it together but we hear it here where that reality is did they hear it before yes but it was it was a it was a call and there it was and they immediately left their nets And followed him. And so it gets a lot more revealed how these guys are, what they're doing. I also find it interesting that he says, I will make you fishers of men. That this is a a process. You know, we hear this in chapter 10 when he sends out the disciples finally. Um, So it's definitely not like they went and they, they knew it all. Like, Hey, I, I know all of this. This is great. I'm just going to go. And, and I'm fully prepared. I got my MDiv and I'm ready to go to my first call. No, they (laughs) were kind of going a little naivete in this whole thing um, that he is going to faithfully teach them and guide them and help them to grow just like he does for you and I, other thoughts we have on. on,
1: And I think it's, it's striking because, because, Again, the English says, follow me. And and when you get to chapter 9, the exact same thing will happen to Matthew. He's there in his little uh, uh, tax uh, uh, place, and and Jesus says, follow me. But but I think it's interesting that Matthew tells us that's not the word that Jesus used with these men. Hmm. It's not the same follow me that was given to Matthew. And again, I think you'll see that, that Matthew's very humble. He's really ready to concede. These guys maybe have a higher position within the structure than I do. uh, Because what's actually said here in the Greek is Jesus says, come. He says, come and get behind me. And it's not the typical word for follow. And and I really like the word there, uh, come, because let me give you some other instances where that is used. Uh, It's used in John 21, uh, and Jesus says, come eat. Uh, It's used in Revelation 19, where we are told to come gather for the great supper. Uh, It's used for the invitation to the wedding, come to the wedding. And what I like is it's used in both Mark and Matthew, where Jesus says, if you're heavy burdened, come rest, he says. And then best of all, again from Matthew, then the king will say to those on his right, come You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So there is something in the way Jesus speaks this, and I think this is important for us as we try to reach out and bring other people to Jesus, that we express it in a way that says, this is a good thing. Who doesn't want to come to a wedding? Who doesn't want to come to to this great banquet? Yeah, who doesn't want to come to the kingdom that is prepared for us, the blessings of the Father? Uh, And so it's interesting that that is the word that Jesus uses here for Peter and Andrew. But it's also interesting that it's behind me, behind me. No, 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 you're not going to come and be beside me. Uh, I'm not going to be following you. No, no, it's very necessary that you always keep your position behind the Lord Jesus, which when you think about the things that are coming up, probably that's the place I want to be too. (laughs) I don't want to be facing these things head on by myself. No, no. In fact, I don't even want to be facing with Jesus beside me. No, Jesus, you be up front, okay? And I'll be behind you because that's the place where you can protect me and care for me. And
0: once again, shows us a different kind of kingdom and a kingdom that we well want to be part of, the kingdom that we, why, where we, we wear blue during Advent, that it's the kingly colors that we are slowly revealing who this king is. And that's, and that's something that what, what I've always loved, and this happens here in Matthew 4, is that you have Jesus. I mean, you have a lot of references to the Old Testament. A lot of those references in the whole book of Matthew happen during this short time period. Um, in chapter four and a little bit before that and it reminds us that that Jesus um, um is the king of kings but with that comes I've always like liked to prove that out hey this is Jesus it's it's shown in the in the Old Testament and there is being fulfilled how cool is that it all lines up in a good mathematical formulation if you will but also there's such a bigger meaning to this is that he who he is serving um how he is serving them and how that's distinctly different um, from what we always perceive to be kings. Secondly, the kings of the Old Testament, well, guess what? We needed a real king. <laughs> they didn't work yeah, out so well yeah. in, the, in the Old Testament. And so it's not just a, a mathematical formulation to say, wow, look how it's fulfilled. Amen. It's and The Bible is inspired and true, which we do believe. Um, but it does also show us... The, the way that Jesus not only fulfilled it, but the way he lived and how it's different than anything else. And therefore, we think about our own lives. Why, one, we need to cling to him. And two, how we as followers of him live differently than the world. Any of your thoughts?
1: No, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to press on with the next two verses.
0: I love it. Okay, 21 and 22. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers. James and the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, and the boat was Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed them, or followed him, excuse me. So, I mean, and these guys again, are going to be big names in the future, but go ahead, go ahead.
1: Well, well again, you've got the immediately, uh, yep. uh, and, and there's no doubt that Matt, you wants to give us the impression, this is extraordinary, what is happening here. Uh, uh, the English says they were mending their nets, uh, but the Greek word there actually doesn't mean to repair something. Uh, it, it means to get something ready for use. Uh, and the idea is, again, is that they... Um, they thought they were just going to have another normal day working with their dad out there uh, on the Sea of Galilee. And, of course, Jesus comes in and, and totally changes that with just a word, with just a word, doate, <laughs> come, come, get behind me. Um, and you had talked about earlier about the prescriptive and the descriptive. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and certainly, I think one of the reasons why Matthew wants to make this different than the way you and I experience the call of Jesus because I don't know about you, I, I was kind of thinking about this for quite a while. I actually was thinking about being a lawyer for a while, but I had a, a grandmother who was very, very involved in the church. In fact, I'm quite proud to say she was the LWML president for the Westin, Western District. Ho, ho. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, I, and I can look back and see the influence of my grandmother and, and uh, the pastors that I had. and. You know, it wasn't like one day I just ah, I think I'll become a pastor, I'll follow Jesus. No, it was more of a slow kind of process thing. Uh and and I think I think Matthew wants to make this call of these men more distinctive, uh unique, because they are unique. Um mm-hmm. You and I are not apostles, Brady. Uh, we are pleased to be called by God, just as these men were called. We are pleased to be given the same ministry, the preaching of repentance and forgiveness of sins. But we're not apostles. We, we don't have the authority. Uh, an apostle is one who actually can speak for someone else. And when they speak, they have the same authority and power as the one who has made them apostles. It's kind of like a, a power of attorney. Um, so, yeah, we do need to know. When when these men teach things, when they write them down, these are things that we really need to pay attention to because these are the words of Jesus Christ himself and, and certainly nothing that, that we do on Wrestling with the Basics on Saturday morning. We wouldn't want people to confuse that. <laughs> but we hope we are giving people the words of Jesus, but not everything we say would necessarily be the words of Jesus Christ. And yet, Brady, I was thinking— we need to realize this is exactly how it was for you and me. We we may think it was a process. These guys probably thought, oh yeah, we followed John the Baptist. We talked to Jesus, you know. They may have looked at it that way. Uh, Matthew may have said, well, you know, I went and listened to him preach on the Sermon on the Mount. I was kind of thinking I didn't think I could be, but then he called me. But no, we all need to understand. The point here is that this is all planned out by God. Yeah. He knows exactly who he's calling. He's got it all lined out, some he calls when we're little babies in baptism, some he doesn't call until, like the Apostle Paul, we're, we're well into our middle age. But the thing you need to understand is always what Jesus is doing, not us. And the great comfort in that is because we're all over the place. Sometimes I feel strong, sometimes I feel doubt, sometimes I have questions, you know. It doesn't make any difference. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who has made me one of his followers, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ who will see that I remain one of his followers, no matter what, okay?
0: And I like how you make that distinction, because are we apostles just like them? Well, no, Uh, No. it's different, but yet— we're all called by the by by the Holy Spirit to believe in Christ, and it, it just and this is what's frustrating as a pastor, but so joyful is that you wish it was like I said a mathematical equation where it's like, okay, I'm going to preach this sermon, I'm going to use this kind of energy, I'm going to say it in this way, and then therefore it's going to work. You know, people are going to listen, they're going to come to my church, and all this. And I tell you what you just have to be in the church for a few years and realize that that's not how it works. <laughs> um, but it, but at the same time, it does happen that way, where people that had no interest whatsoever are sitting in your pews and serving serving the Lord in their homes and their jobs and in, in the church. Um, and it happens all the time. It's so wonderful. So it's almost like this is part of the reason I brought it up is that is it descriptive? Absolutely. It's telling us about how God worked with the apostles. Is it prescriptive? Um, maybe not in the sense of, okay, I'm going to drop my job today and go serve the Lord. Um, sometimes that kind of happens, but it doesn't mean that God says, well, if you don't do that, then you're not a Christian. But it is, it is prescriptive in this way, that God does this among the least of these all the time, that they're confessing the Lord Jesus. And what a joy that is to be able to see how the Lord is at work through his word. So Pastor, anything else before we move on? This is this is a fun text.
1: Well, let me just give you a real quick Christmas story, as long as we're here in the season of Advent. For for these men, it did mean that they left their vocation as fishermen, and Jesus explicitly says, I've got a different job for you. Now you will be fishers of men, you know. But you're going to hear a story on Christmas Eve about a group of people who were shepherds watching their sheep, and they will get a call, and they will leave their sheep, and they will go down to Bethlehem to see this babe lying in a manger because they're basically skeptics. You can't believe what an angel tells you. You got to go check it out. But what do they do after that? Do they go out and become great missionaries? No, the Bible says they return. <laughs> so they go back mm-hmm. to taking care of their sheep. So you're right. For some people, the call is you leave everything. For other people, there's the call yes, you leave everything. That's what you got to do. And then you go back to whatever it is that God has given you to do. See? Uh, and for most of us that's how the call works. And even for us who are called to be pastors, we still got other work we got to go back and do. I got a wife that when I get done here, I'm going to have to go help her out, see? <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's okay. Uh
0: and 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 that's it, it's a the beautiful reality of vocation. So so pastor, let's let's keep moving forward here through the text and and um uh what we're going to do, my plan is this. I'm going to leave verse 25 for tomorrow with Dr. Matthew Heisey of Lutheran Heritage Foundation because I think it really sets up chapter 5 very well. But we have enough in 23 and 24, I think, to, to keep us for the next seven minutes. So 23 through 24. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick those afflicted with various diseases and pains those oppressed by demons epileptics and paralytics and he healed them. So he just keeps going. I mean, he's not sticking around in Capernaum. He goes everywhere. He's teaching, he's preaching, he's doing this, he's doing that, and his rule is clearly different as we look at this than any other king before him and after him. So, how would you how would you look at these verses?
1: Well, just as a side note, again, please notice he proclaims the gospel. Uh, It's the same word we had earlier that the English translated preach. But but proclaim is a much much better translation because it is that that idea that you're making an announcement that is literally changing people's lives, and and Matthew details the fact that you know if if you had various diseases and pains if you were sick oppressed by demons having seizures paralytics but this did change your life okay <laughs> mm-hmm. it literally did. Uh, and that's what the gospel does. It literally see. That's what I did like about that that immediacy that we had earlier. when that gospel comes into you, you are forgiven. We're not talking about that you might be forgiven or maybe someday in the future will be forgiven. You you need to know that when we say here on the radio and when the pastor says it on a Sunday morning, that's changed you. You are not the same person you were before. Your sins are gone as far as God is concerned. And if you're a Matthew, that's a great thing to know. Although in your sinful flesh, that'll continue to trouble your conscience for your whole life, which is why you have to keep hearing that proclamation again and again. So you understand as far as God's concerned, it's not an issue anymore, that sin of yours. Um, So I did want to point that out. And I also I think Mm -hmm. this is a great way to end the the text because we begin with. God's saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring a light to the the Gentiles, to Zebulun and Nathalie. And essentially what Matthew is saying, guess what? That's exactly what happened. That's what Jesus did. He went throughout all Galilee, and he brought a light to people who were in great darkness. Wouldn't you say these things, the sick, the afflicted, the oppressed, the paralytics. Uh, I, I think yours says epileptic. Mine says those having seizures. Uh, mm-hmm. Isn't that isn't that a light? Are these people in darkness? Don't no, they need a light, and they're they're getting exactly what uh, the holy word of God said was going to happen. Which is why I can say to our listeners again, you you are forgiven. I, I can't say that on my authority, but I can say because that's what the Bible says Jesus has come to do.
0: And so, as you look at this, Doctor Gibbs says this beautifully too, and, and it, exactly right because you Revelation twenty. Um, and other parts where it speaks about the the time Jesus will return, that Jesus has given this foretaste of the feast to come where, where there will be no more oppression by the devil, as we saw just prior to this text. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more disease, no more pains, no more epilepsy, no more paralytics, be- because, well, everything will be new, a new heaven and a new earth. And so Jesus has given us like this appetizer, of the foretaste of the feast to come. And obviously this connects us to the Lord's Supper, no doubt about that. It connects us to all of this, that we will always be at the side where we give have joy like we had on Sunday, but also to realize that, you know, this isn't what it was supposed to be. But he gives us that glimpse and shows us that his king we rule now um, is gonna be doing the same exact thing. But his king we rule and his reign um will be in his fulfillment when Christ returns. And of course, if you ever listen to Dr. Gibbs, he loves going back to the Eschaton and, and to the resurrection. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I love how he points it out here too. And when we pray thy kingdom come, that we're praying now and in the future as well.
1: And 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 the thing we need to remember, uh because here's here's maybe the danger in this. There are people listening to us right now who probably are afflicted and have all kinds of sickness, and they're not being healed. And they're probably saying, well, what's wrong with me? And in fact, you need to understand that's how the Jews would have regarded this. See, that's why this is striking, because in the Jewish mind, if you have all these things, well, there's something wrong with you, right? Because why would God put these things on you if you were good and holy and righteous, see? something wrong with you uh but but what we need to understand is that no the sickness that's the result of sin in the world that's just exactly how it is jesus didn't heal all the sick uh we forget that when he healed someone in capernaum there were people in cana that weren't going to be healed Uh, we forget that even his own good friend lazarus he didn't heal his good friend lazarus lazarus died but but you bring in the eschaton talk, the end talk. And that's where you realize that this isn't the end of it. The illnesses we have now are not the end of it. You're right. There is there is death, but there's resurrection from the dead. And there will be eternal life. And as you said, there will be a time when none of these things will trouble us. But they do trouble us now. But, but the thing you have to understand is that, no, the Jews were wrong. These things are not uh, in your life because God is angry at you or God is punishing you. No, no, actually, that's the whole point, that you would understand that God loves the the you that that is having sickness and illness. Uh, 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 God loves the arthritic you. God loves the, the you with <laughs> cardi, cardio problems. Yeah, no, that's the whole point. No, don't make any judgments. We're sinful people in a sinful world. We will die because of that. I almost died, and I'm going to, but it doesn't change anything. though no, God loves and God forgives me, and just be patient. You wait, and you'll see, as you said, an end to all of these things. Could could I make one quick comment, though, because we're running out of time. I do think it's interesting that that the word here, those having seizures, actually, it's in the Greek. They're they're those that are moonstruck. Okay, and the reason I want to point that out because we've taken that language into the English. We talk about people who have mental illness as being lunatics. And that, of course, comes from the word for the moon, lunar, lunar, see. Uh And this kind of thought that the moon sometimes makes people crazy. But the reason I want to focus on that word is because, see, that has a stigma, doesn't it? I've got a, a cousin who is mentally ill and there's a stigma to mental illness. And I just want people to understand, I'll tell you what God thinks about people who are mentally ill. He loves them. They are precious. They are dear to him. Excuse me for getting emotional. But see, that's what this text is teaching us. This is a text about how God feels about us, regardless of whatever frailties and weaknesses we may have. And God help us to understand, that's how he feels about all these people around us, too. Uh, So if there's people that you're having difficulty with and you're thinking, well, maybe I wonder how God, what his concern is for them. Well, you need to know he is very, very concerned for them. And they are also the people that he has come to love and forgive and redeem. So anyway, I just wanted to get that uh, point in there before we're done.
0: Well, all you can say to that is amen. Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling With The Basics, giving us God's strong word from Matthew chapter 4. Pastor Lukomsky, thank you again for the gifts.
1: Yep, thank you, Brady. It's always a joy to work with you.
0: I'm your host, Brady and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.